It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Casco. And it is time to talk about the roster. The Browns wrapped up their fourth preseason game. I don't even remember the score. I have to look at the sheet here. <laughs> 20 to 16, the Browns yeah. brought home the barge. Um, so there we go. They beat the Lions here at First Energy Stadium. Uh, not a lot to talk about with the game. We're going to talk about the 53-man roster. Um, let's just go through position by position here, and let's start with quarterback. There's not a lot to get to, uh, but we'll just go around the table. Garrett Gilbert, is he on the roster as the number three quarterback, or does this team go with two? Absolutely, Garrett Gilbert is on the Garrett Gilbert is on the roster as the number three quarterback, uh, in part because Freddie really wants to keep three quarterbacks, and in part because uh, he's another support mechanism for Baker Mayfield. He's a good longtime friend of Baker's, and they have the room set up so that it's conducive to a happy Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and uh, Gilbert is part of that. Yeah, I know Freddie always says he doesn't care about the past, but he even brought up his uh, past history of just carrying two quarterbacks uh, when he was in Arizona. And, of course, the Browns have had all sorts of horror stories uh, with quarterbacks going down, so... <laughs> The more the merrier, and I think Gilbert definitely makes the cut. Yeah, I thought if you would have asked me a month ago, I would have said, no, they'll, they'll only keep two. Welcome to the NFL, the real NFL Browns fans. We only keep two quarterbacks, but I think Garrett Gilbert made his case, and Freddie's comments really kind of uh, sent that home. Um, and I don't think there's enough of a roster crunch to merit uh, cutting him. Okay, in the backfield, we know about Nick Chubb. Uh, we know Kareem Hunt is not going to be with the team uh, until week 10, and, of course, he's uh, going to be rehabbing after that hernia surgery. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard was really good today, uh, just like he was last year in the Great Lakes Classic. Uh, Dearness Johnson didn't play a whole lot today. Uh, does that mean anything to you guys? Yeah, I thought I was curious that he did not get any carries. He was back there on punt returns. I think he had a catch. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess you know this was a chance for Hilliard to show them that he could be more than just a quote-unquote third down back, more than just whatever it was Duke Johnson was when he was here. But he seemed to take advantage of it. And on top of that, he had a really nice route that led to his touchdown catch. So it was a good night for him. But I thought it was curious that Dernis Johnson did not get a carry. Yeah, that was interesting. I don't know what that was all about. You don't know if somebody might be, you know, slightly banged up or something in a, in a situation like this. But I certainly think that uh, the three running backs that are going to make the team right now are Nick Chubb, Dontrell Hilliard, and um, and Dearness Johnson. So I don't know why he didn't get a catch. Yeah. That was odd, uh, especially because he, he does a number of things, including pass protect. Yeah. So I, I don't know what that was all about, but I certainly think those are the three running backs right now. Uh, yeah, I think um, I, I think Dearness is on. I think they kind of knew what they were getting in him. Um, I, I think just wanted to give him a rest. Yeah, and I think with Hilliard... He's a guy who was banged up, and they wanted to get him some carries. I think that's really kind of what was happening here. And then we saw a lot of A.J. Olette, uh, a lot of Trey Owen Gray. I don't think either of those guys are going are gonna to make the 53. Um, I, I think 
we're, we're pretty set here with Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and uh, De'Aaron, I'm sorry, Chubb, Dontrell Hilliard, and Dearness Johnson with Kareem Hunt uh, going on the suspended list. We're going to skip fullback and Joe Carriage. Maybe Seth DeValve makes it there, but let's get to that tight end. Um, David Njoku and Demetrius Harris are most likely in. They're locks. Yeah. Uh, after that, you've got Seth DeValve. You've got Pharaoh Brown. Uh, you've got Steven Carlson. Rico Gathers is suspended for the first game, so they can do some kind of funky roster gymnastics there. But the interesting piece here is... Can Seth DeValve make this as sort of an H-back, fullback sort of position? You know, I, I think he can. I put him on my 53-man roster. You know, in certain situations, I think they're going to play two and three tight ends. I mean, three tight ends are going to be on the field at some time. Mm-hmm. And he can be a hybrid sort of fullback, H-back, tight end player. So he's got the versatility to do that. Uh, I think he can catch the ball well enough uh, to make a contribution in the passing game. I'm, I have him on my 53-man roster unless they find another tight end somewhere else that they like better. I think he's a good third tight end, a guy who came into the league as somebody you figured was going to catch the ball and has become somebody who apparently the Browns feel is good enough to be a blocker to put him in the backfield. Tonight we were reminded uh, how uh, David Njoku is not a blocker. There was a one-third one play where they brought in Njoku, Farrell Brown, and Seth DeValve, put them all on the right side of the line, Ran Dontrell Hilliard behind them. Njoku mm-hmm. just totally whiffed on his block as a, as a tackle for loss. He ended up punting. So, you know, Njoku is not going to be that dual threat yeah. <laughs> blocking and receiving tight end this season. So right. maybe that's why Devolve is, is the guy. And, you know, again, like I said, they can do some sort of funky roster gymnastics here with Devolve. They can put, they can put him on the 53. And then when Rico Gathers is uh, back, when he's reinstated, maybe they make a change. Um, I, I think DeValve is going to be one of those guys that's really never going to feel safe um, all season long. Uh, well, let's see. How do we want to handle uh, offensive line? Chris Hubbard is the right tackle. Greg Robinson, the left tackle. Batonio and Treader are good. So now right guard. Yep. That's where the shakeup happened today. Uh, the Browns made a trade. Uh, so Eric Cush is the starter there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Browns make a deal, and they bring in... Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller. <laughs> <laughs> Dan if just you looked guys up that name. Tell, I was trying to open up my email because for some reason I cannot remember this guy's name. I just remember Wyatt, and I don't remember if it's first name, last name. Wyatt Teller. I'm going to learn that by this by the opener. Um, an interesting move. It tells you all you need to know about how this team feels about their guard situation. Well, you know, it adds some depth to the guard situation. We've known all along they haven't been thrilled. If they have been. You know, they wouldn't keep saying, you know, it's still a competition, we don't have to decide until Monday before the game, and all this kind of stuff. They haven't been thrilled. They're going to continue to bring in bodies to try until they get the right guy there. John Dorsey's not going to let Baker Mayfield get hit. He's going to do whatever he can to protect the franchise. And they're taking a look at a guy who started seven games for the Bills last year at left guard. But they brought in so many bodies, 11 new players, to try to shore up their offensive line that Teller started falling down their depth chart and was in jeopardy of actually getting cut. So does that mean he's going to just roll right in here and become the starting right guard? No, I think he's a candidate, and they'll try him out and see how it goes. But I still think Eric Cush, who did not dress tonight and was in street clothes, will probably be the starting day left right guard. Yeah, if, you, if you're into pro football focus stats, there really isn't a lot of difference, at least last season, between Cush and Teller. 
this preseason, Teller's played better than Cush has. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, the Browns lead the NFL in Wyatts now. <laughs> so they got Wyatt Ray and Mr. <laughs> Teller, so that's got to be a positive. Yeah, I think this, it's, there's going to be a learning curve. You know, Desmond Harrison was named the left tackle uh, on Labor Day last year. Well, he wasn't named on Labor Day, but we all knew it was going to happen on Labor Day. And But the difference is he played 104 preseason snaps. Uh, Wyatt Teller has not played 104 preseason snaps with this team, but uh, he's obviously a guy they like. He's in his second year. You mentioned the pro football focus stuff. He did seem to grade pretty well, especially as a pass blocker. As a left um, guard, though. He's as a left guard. He's yeah. as a left guard, so yeah. he will have to switch. So, right. uh, and, and that's you know. significant. I mean, if, if you're used to being on one side all the time, mm-hmm. it is a, a sea change to try to get yourself thinking about being on the other side. So I think that's also significant. And the, and the thing of note here, too, that we have to bring up is uh, Drew Forbes was hurt today. We don't know the extent of the injury to this point. They, they announced it as a knee injury. Uh, you know, you hope it's not serious. It didn't look great. Uh, we're not going to speculate on it, but um, if he is going to miss any significant time, it gives them a little wiggle room on that roster um, if, if they want to keep somebody else. One other guy we got to talk about, Austin Corbett, played a ton of preseason snaps last year. Played a ton of preseason snaps this year. All of them at center. I, I believe every single preseason snap this, this year was at center, and he played the entire game tonight at center. Scott, this was uh, one of your takeaways, I think, a couple games ago. Stop talking about Austin Corbett as a guard. He is a center, and, and I think that's where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's either a backup center or he's somebody they're making into a center they, so they can trade him mm-hmm. and get somebody. Yeah. yeah. Or Yeah, exactly. He's either going to make this team – as a backup center, backup guard, sort of swing guy like that, uh, or he's not making the team. And I would find it very hard to believe that they want to give up on a number 33 overall pick because that's almost a first-rounder. Yeah. You know, John Dorsey's not going to want to do that, but, wow, it's starting to become a little difficult to justify keeping him around. I'm, I'm going to just... Quick answer here, um, because I thought about, I put some thought into it when I was doing my 53-man. We each put up 53-man rosters this week, and I put a lot of thought into whether I was going to maybe take the chance and not put Austin Corbett on it. Did either of you have a couple moments where you thought, eh, I don't know, should I, should I put him on or not? You know what? I didn't really, just because of the whole draft pick, number 33 overall pick, trying to turn him into something kind of thing. If they can get something out of him and give him another chance, I I think they will try to do that. But I don't know. When push comes to shove and things get tough on Saturday by 4 o'clock, you know, who knows what they might do. Plus, Kalis has uh, had the concussion. Um, So, yeah, I think he he was an easy easy guy to put in there for me as a a backup swing guy. Um, Okay, so let's talk about wide receiver. Obviously, we know about Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Rashard Higgins. Uh, Jalen Strong was cut this week, mm-hmm. so that's uh, that, that changes some things. Uh, Braxton Miller is really the name a lot of people are looking at. Um, you know, I a lot of people seem to believe he's going to make this team. I, I haven't really talked to anybody in the press box, people who are doing the same thing we're doing, coming up with projections, who have said, no, Braxton Miller isn't going to make it. I feel like he's got a shot to make this roster. Well, he has a shot to make this roster right now. Uh, in part because you've got Antonio Callaway going on suspension for four weeks, so that opens up an opportunity uh, to give Braxton Miller an op- a chance to try to see what he can do. And they're intrigued by him. 
Can he make it? Can he not? Can he make a, enough of a contribution to deserve a roster spot? Uh, you know, he's still learning. He's still coming up the learning curve. But they like the fact uh, that he has the good run after catch, and he's got some versatility. And I think that there are things about him that they like, including you know some good speed and things like that. So I think they see value in him right now, and I do think he's going to make the team. Yeah, I did winners and losers after this game tonight, and one of the losers was clarity at wide receiver because <laughs> really these last two games just kind of muddied a lot. You know, we went into yeah. the preseason games kind of with a good idea of who the bottom mm-hmm. few were, yeah. but that seems to have changed. You know, it they wanted to get a look at, at Braxton Miller tonight. He was the targeted the most in the first half. Um, Ishmael Hyman ended up with like 11 targets. Yep. Only five catches, though. Um, two, two big drops, too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And Derek Willis had a nice 36-yard catch, but really didn't do anything other than that. Right. Um, so I'm not sure where they go. Maybe all three of them make it. Maybe none of them do, and they look for, for people who are cut by other teams. I, I don't know that Braxton Miller did anything tonight that makes me say, yeah, he's on the team. And I, I just don't like their depth at receiver right now. I, I really don't. I mean, obviously the top of your receiving core is pretty stinking good. But, you know, you mentioned Willie's. He's he's really tailed off. He seemed like a lock early in camp. Um, they're not going to have Callaway. Braxton Miller is a guy that at least has played. Damian Ratley is probably going to make the roster. He's a draft pick from last year, yeah. albeit a low round one. Um, you know, now there's questions about Ishmael Hyman, who was playing well before he got the concussion against Indianapolis. They lost D.J. Montgomery. There's just a lot of questions behind the big names on this receiving core. Yeah, there really are. And, you know, when I looked out there the other day, Ishmael Hyman was working with the first team in practice. And so I thought, hmm, you know, maybe there is something there. And I kind of thought it would might come down to Hyman versus Braxton Miller. And in that scenario, I think that they would give Braxton Miller a try because he brings something a little different to the table. So I, I think that, that he's going to – I do think he's going to make the team. And I think I, – I didn't think Hyman really helped himself tonight. No. I, I mean, I thought that stretch where he dropped the two balls, including the – I mean, that could have helped him a lot to catch that deep ball. Mm-hmm. It was three straight passes, two drops, and then the third one was sort of a slash contested ball, can't hang on to it, yeah. maybe break up, but – still should have it if you're aggressively going to win a contested football. So I didn't think he helped himself. Freddie thought that he came back and made some catches and and did some things, but I still think that he kind of played himself off the team with that stretch. And the other guy that didn't help himself, of course, was Damon Sheehy. Giuseppe had that punt return in the opener, but just kind of showed that he just isn't real shifty. You know, we saw it a couple times today. We we saw it. We've seen it in the past couple weeks that – you know, if they, he doesn't make room for himself, and, yeah. and that's a problem. There's no space to show that speed. Uh, I do. I am curious if Dorian Baker makes it to the practice squad. Uh, I mean, I w- couldn't see him getting through. I mean, I think he would definitely get through waivers. Yeah. Curious if he's a guy that maybe they would put on the practice squad, a St. Vincent, St. Mary guy that I, you know, I think they like his size and some of the physical attributes he has. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm curious if they would maybe take a look at him there. Um, I believe that's it on the offensive side of the ball. So let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, You know, again, that front four is pretty set, and it feels like the backups are pretty much set there too. But the one guy that we had a debate about, so we're going to put Daniel Aquale on the team. Mm -hmm. Okay, Devereaux Lawrence is on the team. Mary Kay, you and I were kind of going back and forth um, 
talking about Travon Coley or Anthony Zeta. Mm-hmm. That's sort of that extra lineman. That's sort of what it came down to for us, Scott. I don't know if you kind of had that debate, too, with the defensive line, if you ran into an issue there or not. But mm-hmm. those are kind of the two names we got stuck on. I went with Zettel uh, as an extra end. Did you go with Coley, Mary Kay? Yeah. And you know what? I think I lopped Coley off at the end, too. Okay. I think I ended up going with nine linemen, and I added Justin Burris. Yes, that's what it was. As another safety. Because I've heard Steve Wilkes talk enough times about that slash safety linebacker role where you can come down and you can hit somebody in the box and you can cover. And it's sort of you know what he did with uh, some of the guys that he's had in, in Carolina and in Arizona. And he likes Jermaine Whitehead in that role, Sheldon Redwine. And then he talks about Justin Burris doing that as well. And I, you know, I mean, they place five defensive backs so much mm-hmm. on this team, and they're going to be in that a lot. That um, that I did go with the extra DB, Justin Burris. But I, I will mention that Trevon Coley was not dressed tonight. Yeah. So yeah. that doesn't bode well for my prediction. He's probably he on, the on the roster. Uh, yeah. At the last minute, like I, I had case. him in there, and I took him. I took him off. Well, yeah, I had I had Lawrence and Coley. Um, I just I looked at. I didn't think Coley would drop from starter all the way down, and I know he wasn't best case scenario. He was best case scenario or best of the worst, maybe <laughs> starter last <laughs> last couple of years. But I didn't see him dropping all the way off, so I, I put him on. I had Gennard Avery. I went with nine linemen. I called Gennard Avery and Yeah, I did. So. Yeah, I put him there too. Um, but yeah, the, it, for the interior, Lawrence was was a definite, and uh, and Coley. But I think you're right. I think Coley is the guy who. Uh, who gets that other uh, inside backup spot, especially after seeing him out yeah. there working with Lawrence and yeah. how they just blew up right. the offensive line a few times. And they really like him. They've liked Dan Aquali, uh since the, the moment they acquired him. They, they saw something in him. And so I, I think he's on the team for sure. And I think Coley's way, way, way on the bubble, and it's just going to be a matter of how many defensive linemen they keep. And Gennard Avery kind of changes that math, too, because, like, like we've said, he's right. really a defensive lineman. They might use him as sort of a linebacker in some game plans, but he's a defensive lineman right now. Right. Um, and I can't wait till his contract comes up. If the Browns have to make a <laughs> franchise decision and they get to fight over that yeah. uh, with, uh, with Gennard Avery. Uh, linebacker is pretty well set. Christian Kirksey, Joe Schobert, Adarius Taylor – those are your top three, Mac Wilson, Sione Takitaki. Um, I put Ray Ray Armstrong oh, on yeah. the roster I as a special too. teamer. Yep. Any, anybody else that we really missed there that you guys think, okay, that guy's got to be on the roster? With, of course, with that caveat that Avery were, were considering as a defensive lineman. No, no. It was, that was the same was, group I had, too. That was the okay. same group that I had. Um, in the defensive backfield, uh, pretty obvious, Denzel Ward, Terrence Mitchell. Uh, we'll stick with corners here. TJ Carey, Greedy Williams, uh, Philip Gaines, Lindsey Pipkins are guys that were playing with the second team a little bit. Now, Lindsey Pipkins got banged up today. Um, I don't think he returned to the game. No. Uh, Donnie Lewis, a draft pick, is in the mix. Uh, remember, the Browns tried to sneak one of their late-round draft picks through waivers last year, and it didn't happen um, at, at corner. It, this is kind of a weird position when, mm-hmm. when you look at, at that cornerback room, and I think the thing that makes it hard is Eric Murray is a safety, but he also plays nickel. Mm -hmm. T.J. Carey is most likely your starting nickel. Uh, Jermaine Whitehead has been your third safety. So as much as you want to keep a bunch of corners, you've also got to get a bunch of guys who are called safeties that can play inside or or even maybe slide outside if they want them to. 
You know, I kept six cornerbacks and six safeties, and I'm sure that's way too much. But, <laughs> you know, again, with them playing uh, five defensive backs most of the time, I just I couldn't help it. I had to add another safety in there, and I, I like I said, I threw Justin Burris in there. It, it might not end up that way at all because maybe you feel like the, that slash safety linebacker can be uh, Jermaine Whitehead and Sheldrick Redwine, and you mm-hmm. don't need a third guy to play that exact same role. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm a little overloaded on defensive backs, but I, I couldn't help myself. Yeah, it was. I, I had six defensive back or six uh, cornerbacks. I did five safeties. Um, I did not have Justin Burris, although he was out there tonight, um, starting with the starting group with uh, Whitehead and uh, I believe Redwine, um, and then you had Carey and, and Greedy yeah. as your cornerback. So, um, but I could totally see them keeping Burris and you know Lindsey Pipkins, Philip Gaines, maybe not making that cut. One of them. Um, do you want Gaines has played in the slot a lot? So yeah. do you want just one guy in carry who's you know your predominant slot guy? Even though Eric Murray can do it, but he's technically a safety. Um, I guess the the big thing is here they have versatility. They have multiple people who can yes. do multiple things, right? Which is good. Um, now they just have to lock down who they want to do those multiple things. You know. Yeah, and uh, Steve Wilkes comes from a secondary background, mm-hmm. so it's going to be hard for him to part with. Uh, the best, you know, defensive backs on this football team. He's going to want to keep a lot of those guys. So, um, yeah, I, th- there are going to be some tough decisions to make and, in the and, defensive backfield. And don't think that they haven't been sitting in that building watching tape of that Ravens-Chargers playoff game where the Chargers played just a bunch of defensive backs. Um, then I'm sure that that tape has been on loop in that facility as, as they've game plan for the playing the Ravens twice, including very early in the season. I did put Philip Gaines on, um, kind of on, on second thought. I kind of feel like I should have put Justin Burris in there. So maybe either Philip Gaines or Donnie Lewis um, gets the ax in that case. Safeties, um, this is a pretty straightforward position too. Uh, we mentioned Jermaine Whitehead. Of course, you're going to have Demarius Randall and Morgan Burnett, Eric Murray, uh, Sheldrick Redwine. Mm-hmm. I don't see any surprises on here. It's just a matter of whether Justin Burris gets on or not. And like you said, Steve Wilkes, right. completely unsolicited, brought him up twice, uh, I believe, the last time we talked to him. Yep. So that, that bodes well for a guy. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's talk about specialists. All right. This is a contentious a contentious thing. Long snapper is set. We know that. Charlie Hewitt is on this team. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb. right now, right? Yes. Kicker. I feel like is set. Yeah. Austin Seibert's going to win that job. Yep. Which brings us to a position I didn't think we'd spend any time on. The punter. I don't think... I don't see Britton Colquitt getting cut. Mary Kay? Scott is... I, I don't see that. You don't in see agreement that? with me, too. Yeah. So Mary Kay... I'm the only one in the whole entire media room that thinks there's a chance that Jamie Gillen can make this football team. But I feel like they really like him. Well, you are his defense attorney right now. Make Every, everybody case. likes him. I know. But I, they're, I, I feel like what they wanted to know from him is, could he be a holder? And, and could he help Austin Seibert you know, look good and make kicks, right? Mm-hmm. And they've worked and worked and worked on that, and they've got that down. I think that I think there's something that they like about Jamie Gillen, and if I had to do my 53 tomorrow, I think I would take a risk. I would take a roster risk, and I think I would put Jamie in there. And I'm probably going to be wrong, and I don't know. It's just 
one of those gut feelings that I have. I, when you have the team that they, the Browns have this season and, and the expectations they have and the talent, I don't know that you would take a chance when you have someone who's such a really consistent veteran as Colquitt there and, and put Gillen in there. They have to do something like that with kicker because they only have these two options, at least today. Mm-hmm. But he's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> he's out there making <laughs> tackles. I mean, you don't want your punter making tackles. He even said tonight, you know, when I have to make a tackle, it's because something bad happened. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll always remember him. <laughs> <laughs> and this, I mean, if he doesn't play for the Browns this season, it's yeah. not going to last it's not the last we're going to see of him. Somebody's going to pick him up, yeah, and 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 he'll be kicking somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think the the problem comes in with, it, you know, if the Browns want to play the field position game here and there, I think Britton Colquitt is, you know, we've seen it over and over again that he can drop that ball right inside the five yard line, and and that's an important thing. And outside the numbers. Yeah, and and we've also talked about, are you going to trust one of these kickers? in a game-winning situation, to make a kick. Well, the other thing you have to ask yourself, are you going to trust the Scottish Hammer in a game-winning situation when you need everything before the kick to go perfectly? Or even if something isn't perfect, can he kind of rescue you and get the ball down and get the laces pointed the way they're supposed to go? Um, Do you want that to happen in the fourth quarter with a game on the line in New England or in Pittsburgh or someplace else? Um, I, I think that that's... That's asking a lot for a guy who's never held before. But who knows? Well, if, if they really like him and, and they think it's worth that risk. Well, the only reason why you know, they might not do it is because two rookies learning on the fly together might be a little bit much, like you said, in a season when you're really trying to go somewhere yeah. and, and do something. So they might want that stability. They might want that veteran presence. But just the way those guys were even talking to us tonight, it just seemed like... I don't know, you know, and I don't know. For some reason, I, I just keep thinking, I keep coming back to there's just something about him. And maybe it's the accent. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. But. <laughs> has, um, has Austin Seibert made you guys more comfortable? Yes. Do you guys, yeah. feel, do you guys feel better about Austin Seibert today than maybe a couple weeks ago? when I know I was saying they might find their kicker on Sunday. I, I feel like Austin Seibert is pretty much the guy right now. I wrote him off. I completely wrote him off. I wrote him off on our podcasts. I wrote yeah. him off on videos. I was done. I wrote him off. But he got himself turned around. Yeah. I mean, he did a 180. Okay? I watched him on several occasions, and so, so did you guys, go one for four in practice with no wind, no pressure, no nothing. Those were field goal drills. Mm-hmm. No adversity whatsoever. Another day I watched him miss a 37-yarder and a 40-yarder. And I thought, how could you possibly have this be your kicker? Right? Mm -hmm. But he got himself turned around. And, I mean, will he be consistent going forward? You know, for their sake, I, I certainly hope so. But he overcame adversity. I still found myself watching all his kicks tonight. I haven't gotten to the point, even after last week, it's like I still, even in the second half when uh, when he was kicking, I, I still had to watch it because I just did not have the confidence yet. You know, there's some guys who, 
even when they come out for extra points, you don't even watch because you figure this is this is fine. But I, I couldn't do that with him yet. Maybe three weeks into the season that changes. But all right, I think we hit every position. So uh, we we didn't do the roster math because neither of us can do the fifty three, or none of us can do the fifty three <laughs> in our head. Uh, but I think we made it through every single position and we survived the preseason. And shout out to Matt Patricia for uh, not getting cute. Not going for two, yeah. making sure that we weren't going to get stuck with overtime here. Um, also, Freddie Kitchens, please, next year in the fourth preseason game, don't challenge pass interference calls. <laughs> it's my only real criticism to this point. Don't challenge pass interference in the preseason. But we made it. It's almost well, time for real football. When are you supposed to test out the new pass interference rule, if not in preseason? Not in the fourth game. <laughs> One time is All enough. All right, I'll give you that. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast for Scott and Mary Kay. And I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.